Praise the Lord. We are living in the last days. Um, as some of you already know, that uh, yesterday, uh, early morning, uh, the, there was a war broke out um, in Israel. The Hamas launched about 5,000 missiles uh, toward Israel, and now the nation of Israel is in the state of war. Uh, but last Friday, if you, I actually mentioned to, to some of you that I actually had a fellowship with an Israeli family uh, who are visiting, um, Stavi's family, uh, and I had a great time with them, and I sent them off to, uh, to go back to Israel last Friday. And then, as we know, the, uh, the, the attack uh, happened, and I'm not really sure where they are at this moment. I'm not sure that they were able to arrive to the Tel Aviv uh, for their, their destination to be. And um, also, their, one of their son, his, who is in the Ar- Israeli army, now is on the front line uh, fighting this war. So we would like for you to, as a congregation, to pray for this family. They are uh, believers. Um, they are Jews, but they are believers in Christ Jesus. And uh, they've been sharing with me about how the Lord Yeshua, or Jesus, uh, blessed them and blessed their lives over 40 years of their lives. So um, I would like to ask you to pray for uh, uh, Stavi's family uh, to be safe and to be protected. But as we know, the, we hear all kinds of wars around the globe. Still, we are going on with um, the wars in Ukraine and um, now Israel. And we hear all kinds of rumors of war around the world. But don't be alarmed. I mean, don't be too surprised by it because the, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, uh, in the last days, there will be wars around the globe. Nations will go against nations, and the time will be so chaotic that uh, we will know that the Lord Jesus will return soon. Uh, So politically, uh, socially, mentally, um, financially, spiritually, uh, we we can clearly detect that we are living in the last days. And the Bible says we must be discerning in the last days because Jesus cautions against being deceived by the false teachings or false doctrines and false prophets or false messiahs. He urges us to exercise discernment and spiritual vigilance, especially in a world filled with distractive secular philosophies and deceptive political ideologies and destructive false theologies. We start a series called Discerning in the Last Days last week. We talked about uh, discerning the false doctrine last week. Today, we will be focusing on false prophets. Well, what is discernment? Well, discernment is the ability to distinguish between right and wrong at its basic level. Also, It is the ability to distinguish between right and what is partially right. Uh, I think that is a greater challenge. Now, when Jesus made this statement, be aware of false prophets, 
false messiahs, it means that he said two very important things, or there's two important implications. First, false prophets exist. False teachers exist in this world. Secondly, they are dangerous, very dangerous. That is why Jesus said, be aware of the false prophets. There will be many messiahs in the last days, many false teachings and false teachers. Yet today, if you begin to evaluate teachings and miracles and prophecies that come from the lips of some of the people who minister to perhaps large congregations or some context, immediately you will be accused of being divisive, dividing the body of Jesus Christ. And you might say, who are you to judge? Why do we try to divide the Christians, they might say. But well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, there will be so many false prophecies, so many false miracles, even false prophets at the end of time. That it is possible that these false teachers would even deceive the elect. If you read Revelations in the last days, if the tribulations continues on or deception continues on, the Bible says, if uh, even the, uh, the, the elect might be deceived. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus warned, the, even the elect might be deceived. So people who are chosen by God, and we're not here to talk about, you know, once you are saved, are we always saved? Or can we lose our salvation? I'm not talking in that level. And that's a good discussion, maybe, that you might have questions about. And you can certainly approach me and we can talk about this. But the point is, there will be dangerous deception happening. Jesus is warning all the Christians, be careful, even if you're elect, you might be deceived. Jesus is warning how dangerous the false teachings and false prophets and false messiahs and their impact on Christians, not just the world, Christians, people who are in the church. So they can even deceive you. That's why Jesus said, be discerning. Discern what is happening around the world. But recently I see so many people forsake discernment or lack of discernment I see in the church. For the last few years, as our country has become politically polarized, oh, so many Christians were so divided, even on mere, I want to say mere, political ideologies. We are forgetting biblical theologies. We are obsessed with political ideologies, which is, I think, part of the deception from the enemy that we need to be aware of. That's what we've been witnessing, and that's what being preaching against. Even in our church, I'm urging you to discern. It is time to discern and time to seek the Lord and time to be led by the Holy Spirit as we seek God's Word. Amen? Now, so this is what we are going to do today. We are going to look at some passages in the Old Testament that introduce the topic of false prophecies and false teachers. And then we are going to look at the New Testament, uh, which is uh, devoted to the characteristics of the false teachers 
so that you will be helpful for us to discern false prophets amongst us or amongst our world when we contact with them somehow in your life. And you will contact with them, I'm sure, uh, in your life somehow. So first of all, I want you to know that there are two kinds of false prophets. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 19, this is what Bible says. If anyone does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks, I myself will call him to account. This is what the Lord is saying to the Israelites. But the prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded him to say or a prophet who speaks in, in the name of other gods must be put to death. Verse 22, if what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously and do not be afraid of him. So one of the ways to test the prophet from God is true or not is to look at whether the claims of these prophets come true or not. The reason why I'm mentioning this verse from the Old Testament is that we are living in an age that there is so many self-claimed prophets in the name of Jesus Christ out there prophesying all kinds of stuff, even from the last elections. Uh, people were prophesying who's going to win and all the candidates. And even now, you will find that in the, in the, in the Internet and all over the places. And this is so obvious, but there are still some people who follow blindly those prophets whose claims do not come true. So that's the one of the ways that we will know these are from the Lord and from, not from the Lord. Here, now, here comes trickier. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 13, verse 1, here is a second kind of false prophets. If a prophet, by the way, Deuteronomy chapter 13, for those who are taking notes. If a prophet or one who foretells by dreams appears among you and announces to you a miraculous sign or wonder, and if the sign or wonder of which he has spoken takes place, and he says, let us follow other gods and let us worship them, you must not listen to the words that prophet or dreamer. Interesting, isn't it? Notice, even if his predictions and miracles performed are true. Wow. Even if he can actually does the, the, the miracle. Make sure if they are leading you to worship other gods, do not follow them. Do not listen to them. For example, in the Old Testament, there were a prophet named Balaam, Balaam. I'm not sure you know the character Balaam, who was asked by the king Moab to curse Israel. The Moabites were the enemy of Israel, and as the Israelites were entering into the, the promised land, the, the, the Moabites, uh, the king of Moabite, actually asked this prophet Balaam. Balaam was a very famous prophet during the time in, the, in that region, and he asked him to curse Israel. So he was about to curse Israel. Instead, you know what happened? He actually blessed Israel. <laughs> So he wanted to curse Israel because the Moabites were giving him lots of money. 
So he wanted that money, so he was about to curse, but from his mouth, somehow the blessings came because God was forbidding him to curse Israel. He blessed Israel, made a wonderful prophecy, by the way, regarding Jesus Christ. Christ came out of his mouth. And if you actually study, you will be surprised to hear. From this false prophet comes out the beautiful prophecy about our Lord Jesus Christ. However, would you interpret him as a true prophet? No way. He was greedy. He encouraged Israel to commit immorality with women of Moabites. Thus, the New Testament condemned him with the strong words, and he became a prototype for false prophets, even though he spoke the things that honor God. Imagine that. Well, I'll give you the example of modern days. They might be doing some kind of miraculous work, and it does happen, by the way. Uh, maybe for Western crowd, we are not familiar with the miracles, but it does happen. But these miracle performers, in the name of Jesus Christ, well, if they preach something else other than the Bible, if their lifestyle is not aligned with the biblical standard, we have to question, can we really say that person is a prophet from God? There are other passages that are describing false prophets in the Old Testament. Well, Jeremiah chapter 14, uh, the Lord said to me, he said, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them or appointed them to sp or spoken to them. They are prophesying to you false vision, divinations, idolatries, and delusions of their own mind. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about the prophets who are prophesying in my name. I did not send them. Yet they are saying, no sword of famine will touch this land. By the way, I, let me give you the background of the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah, uh, through prophet Jeremiah, uh, God was prophesying that because of your great sin against me, there will be a judgment, meaning the Babylonians will come and conquer you. And they will, you will be going to exile for 70 years. But that was the prophet Jeremiah was speaking to the Israelites, receiving from the Lord. But there are, any, there are contemporary other prophets of Jeremiah speaking otherwise. They were saying, no, the Lord is with Israel. The Lord is going to bless Israel. We will prosper. So many people or presented with the two different type of prophecies from the Lord. One, judgment. Second, prosperity. And guess what? The most of the people in the Jeremiah's time took the prophecy from the false prophets. They took it. As a matter of fact, they wanted to kill Jeremiah, and Jeremiah later got killed. But Jeremiah was the only one who was speaking from the Lord about the judgment coming, while all other prophets were talking about the prosperity of God's people in Israel. That's the context. And the Lord is saying, I did not send them. They are saying all kinds of stuff, no sword, no famine will touch your land and prosper, you will be prosperous. I did not send them. That's why Jeremiah 5.12, that they have lied about the Lord. They said he will do nothing. 
No harm will come to us. We will never see sword or famine. Interesting, isn't it? What about prophets? Perhaps we know up to date. What do they say? One of the characteristics of false prophets is that they teach universal blessing. Blessings without repentance. Prosperity without repentance. By the way, I'm all for blessings of God. I'm all for prosperity of God. For that given by the Lord. But the blessings without repentance, prosperity without repentance is not biblical, is not from the Lord. False prophets always say that God promised us good crops. Everything will be fine. The people say that they, we like that so much better than the message of judgment and repentance. One of the characteristics of the false prophet is that they confuse their delusion with the words of God because they think that they are getting the words from God unfiltered and teaching these universal blessings without repentance. People claim that they heard from the Lord. And how are you going to refute that? They say, I heard it. I'm the prophets of God. Maybe that person has some the, 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 the credentials of being a minister for a long time or, or many people are following him. Therefore, he must be right. Really? We have to be very discerning. Keep in mind, and now let us ask this question. What about prophets today? Let us look at the New Testament's false prophets in Paul's time, and we will, some, we will discover some of the characteristics of false prophets for us to discern. And if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 through 15, you can clearly see that. Let me just read it from the beginning. Uh, I hope you will put up with me for a little foolishness. Please put up with me. Well, Paul is writing. He's being a little bit sarcastic or, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one, hand, one husband to Christ so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your mind may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. By the way, how did the serpent deceive Eve? Well, the serpent deceived Eve by giving her a new revelation, new word. Remember? Did God really say that you cannot take the fruit? I don't think so. Do you? There is a word that is given to Adam and Eve, and there is a new word now given by the serpent. If you continue in verse 4, he says, If... For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it so easily enough. And I do not think I'm in the least inferior to those super apostles. I may indeed be untrained as a speaker, but I do have knowledge. We have made this perfectly clear to you in every way. By the way, who are these super apostles? 
They are the ones who come with the letters of recommendation according to chapter 10 of Corinthians. They taught that if you want a deeper and fuller relationship with God, you ought to become Jewish. And if you become Jewish, you really understand the meaning of relationship with God. And these are the heresies that are described in Colossians. They said that they were better than Paul and wiser than Paul. They claimed that they had more knowledge, more abilities, more gifted in speech. And they tried to demean or debase Paul because he was not an eloquent speaker. By the way, did you know that Paul was not an eloquent speaker? People fell asleep when he was teaching. It happened one time. Because he was giving long lecture, people got so tired, but Paul kept going. And then one guy who was listening, this young man, fell out of the attic and died. And Paul had to pray for him to revive. <laughs> he was not, as you say, presentable. He was not charismatic speaker. Well, that's what the Bible says. But it's a comfort to me as a preacher. He was not a good preacher, good speaker, I should say. But yet the Lord used him tremendously. So it does not really matter your ability, your giftedness. If God wants to use you, he will use you. Amen? So some of you might say, oh, I don't want to preach. I don't know how to preach. By the way, it's not just for the ministers to preach the gospel. It's all of us. We have this mandate from the Lord to preach the gospel. And you might say, I don't speak as well as you do. Or, I was not trained in the seminary. By the way, all these apostles were not trained in the seminaries. <laughs> they were just normal, ordinary people serving the extraordinary God. They just gave themselves to the Lord and said, Lord, use me. I'm available. And look what happened through these apostles or disciples of Jesus. This, through this fisherman, the blue-collar worker, they weren't even highly educated. God changed the whole world. Amen. Then do not be timid. Speak the word. May the Lord empower you and teach you. And when you speak about Jesus... The Bible says the Holy Spirit will work in your word, through your word, to touch people's lives. So, speak Jesus. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, speak Jesus. Now, as we read, what are the characteristics of the false prophets? I want you to know this clearly so that when you encounter these people, you will know how to discern. Ready? First, they have their own Jesus. Look at verse 4, as, we, as I read already. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, what is the Jesus these people were preaching? Well, first of all, they were not denying the reality of Paul's ministry. They said Paul is our friend. His proclamation of Jesus, they did not deny that. However, what they were saying was this. If you keep the law, which you're talking about Mosaic law, and if you are willing to become Jewish, it is then that you are saved and you enter into the blessings of God. They added to the work of Jesus on the cross. Paul says that is false Jesus. 
Yes, you need to believe in Jesus. But at the same time, you need to obey the law in order for you to be saved. That's what they were saying. My brothers and sisters, there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves. No matter how well you lived, how many people around you love you, that you did not break or violate any American constitution or American or Illinois law. You did not scheme or scam someone or did not, you did not uh, you know, trick anybody. Even if you didn't do anything wrong to anybody, you cannot save yourself. Because in our nature, we are, we cannot resolve our sin. This propensity that we have within us, this nature of sin, we cannot get rid of. Some, there has to be someone. Your good works will not cancel the bad actions. It has to be Jesus. That is why if anyone says, yes, we believe in Jesus, what he has done for us, and he forgave us through, his, through the cross, and then, yes, at the same time, there is one more thing. We need to work to be good. We need to follow the law. Then you know something is wrong. Even some Christian sectors, I mentioned it last week, discerning the false doctrine, they say, yes, we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ and works. They add one more thing, works of righteousness. I'm telling you, we cannot save. We cannot be saved through tiny little glimpse, portion of the, our act, from our action. We can only by save by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. We can only be saved by what Christ has done for us. Amen? We need to be very clear about that. Paul said that's a false Jesus. One commentator of the Bible said this about this verse. He says, They were teaching that because Jesus died on the cross and suffered that, we don't have to suffer in this life. As they become Jewish, they become part of God's blessed ones. Sounds familiar? All of us should know that Jesus saved us from the penalty of sin, our sins, that the salvation is free for everyone, but our calling is to God, as God's people also includes life of suffering because Jesus suffered in the world. God calls us to take up our cross and follow him, and that's the one of the marks of the true church. The people say no. Because of what Jesus has done, we don't have to do anything. Just become Jewish. Well, all kinds of different Jesus was coming out. But the false teachers deny this, and they say, why do you want to follow that Jesus? Come follow our Jesus. You don't have to suffer like Paul did. This is what, the, what, the, what they were teaching. He was following Jesus without work of the cross. He was Jesus, something added on. You can you don't have to suffer like Jesus did. You can just be following the law. You'll be saved. New Testament false prophets were focusing on, you don't have to suffer, just become Jewish and observe the law. Then you'll be all right. Today, Jesus replaced our pain and suffering with his healing and blessings. And we don't have to be poor or sick 
and suffer. And you will hear those teachings a lot. If you have faith, the Lord will heal you and bless you. But what about those who are so devoted themselves to to the Christ, yet they get cancer and dying? What about those who are still struggling with some finance? Are they not saved? Are they not blessed? Brothers and sisters, even though these people also preached Jesus, 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 they were teaching their own Jesus, their own concept of Jesus, not the true Jesus of the Bible. You don't have to deny the faith in Jesus, of course not. You just have to twist that faith and add something on it or something in it, something to it. Like Mormons, there are only one Jesus. There is only one Jesus. We believe in the same Jesus. No. People nowadays, there are so many different Jesuses in the world. I'm not going to get into the, the Mormonism here and explain, but they are not worshiping the same Jesus as we do. Trust me on this. But they say we are Jesus, but they're not the same. We're not they're talking about the same Jesus. So many people have their own Jesus. Jesus who blesses us with our repentance and giving our hearts to him. Jesus who does not call us to suffer. Those are not the true Jesus who will be able to save us. Those are added on Jesus, the false Jesus. And I want you to know today, my brothers and sisters, Jesus that we want is not always the Jesus that we need. People want Jesus today to give them what they want. And they don't want Jesus of the cross. But Paul said that, number one, false prophets have their own false Jesus. Secondly, they have false gospel. If you look at verse 4, what is the gospel of those false prophets? Obviously, if they have false Jesus, they have a false gospel. And let me tell you briefly about what they taught. First of all, they were very much into money. They were ridiculing Paul because Paul preached free, for free. They were charging huge fees for their sermon. They said, this is a great teachings. You must pay for it. It's valuable. They were charging huge fees for their sermons, and they were saying to the people, if you really believe Paul was good, he wouldn't do it freely. If his teaching was that valuable, wouldn't you give out just freely? Well, you should charge. (laughs) You know, people like to be charged. They think if it is free, the quality is not there. They say, oh, it is very expensive, then oh, it must be valuable. And that's the one of the marketing tactic today. If you look at the high expensive branding, yes, their quality is really good, but it's not that great to the point of you paying thousands of dollars for it. But why do they buy it? Because they say, oh, it must be so good. That's why it is so expensive. It is expensive, therefore it must be good. That's why people buy. They don't like free things. 
freebies. They think automatically, hey, there got to be something wrong. And they're using exactly today's marketing tactic. So our today's marketing tactic is not the new thing for our time. It was also happening 2,000 years ago. They were saying, we have great teachings and sermons, and I'm going to charge you a lot because it is valuable. And the people were saying, oh, it must be, they're charging us money. It is expensive. There, there must be good. But Paul, he says, I'm preaching for free. You don't finance me to be here. As a matter of fact, he's saying, other churches, they're the one who's financing me, giving for the missions that I'm here to preach to you. I'm not even burdened to you. I'm not going to even ask money because I know that your church is having a hard time financially. So you know what? Other Laodicea church, other church, the Philippian church, they're the one who's giving. The, the churches in Macedonia, they're the one who's actually giving me, supporting me to be here for you. Actually, it was the church of Macedonian church. Notice Paul says in verse 7, was, was it sin for me to lower myself in order to elevate you by preaching the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches, he said, by receiving support from them so as to serve you. So when I was with you, needed something, I was not burdened to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supply what I needed. I have kept myself from being a burden to you in any way and will continually do so. So they were ridiculing Paul because they were saying that we are into money and he is not. And he is not legit because he's not charging for very valuable, amazing teaching. When you find other gospel, almost always you will find the gospel of prosperity, gospel of money. The gospel says that God will give you whatever you want and desire. The, that kind of gospel treat God as a genie in a bottle. You can be as greedy as you like. It is your inheritance from the Lord anyway. Through Christ, you have received God's blessings. Abrahamic blessings, they say. Yes, it is true, theologically. But we're not necessarily talking about the physical financial blessings here. God has always chosen you to prosper you. And you will hear these teachings all over the place. It's been around for a long time, by the way. But it was not just 21st century or 20th century thing. It was from the first century thing as well. Isn't it incredible? It is a gospel of full of miracles. I'm not sure whether or not these teachers in Corinthians were doing some miracles or not, but I'll tell you we are in a mir miraculous age. People are doing all kinds of miracles in all kinds of different ways, and many Christians are confused with these miracles, I'll tell you today. I heard that this leading teacher whom I believe to be false prophet is going to raise the dead. I believe that these teachings will make you rich. That's what I heard. And I want to be clear. Please listen very carefully. If someone does not preach Jesus Christ and him crucified, repentance and eternal life, I will not follow him even if he can raise the dead. Amen? 
I don't care if that teacher is saying good things and making all kinds of predictions that's coming true. If he's not teaching the right gospel, I'll tell you, he is a false prophet. Even if he raised the dead in front of you, but he is preaching not about Christ crucified, repentance, and eternal life, he is not a prophet from the Lord. And I will not follow him. Miracles should not be the basis of our faith. It has to be the word of God. Amen? That's why the Bible says the faith comes consequently from hearing the message of Jesus Christ. Miracles does not generate faith. It can generate excitement. It can generate shocks, right? <gasps> it can confirm your faith, but never generate faith. Look at all these Moses generations when they're coming out of Egypt. Remember? You hear all kinds of amazing, vivid miracles after miracles. God departing the Red Sea. God giving the manna. All kinds of things. They were, God was, presence was actually in the physical form. What? The cloud by day, fire by night. Remember? But how come none of the Moses generation, except two, enter into the promised land? Because they did not have faith. Miracle does not give you faith or generate you, generate faith in you. It has to be the word of God. If you look, remember we, I said in Deuteronomy chapter 13 closely, God said, do not follow those prophets who lead you to false gods and false gospel, even though their prophecies come true because the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with all your heart, with all your soul. That's why these false prophets are amongst us to see whether we are discerning whether we love the Lord of the Bible so much or we love the cross so much that we say no matter what else somebody can do if he does not preach the right gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ in the Bible, we will not follow him. Deuteronomy 13, God is testing our faith. Would you believe me no matter what? Even if all these false prophets are giving you all kinds of deceptions, would you not compromise what I've given you through my servant Jesus, the Word of God? Thirdly, they have their own source of power. Look at verse 13. He says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful worksmen, masquerading as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then his servants masquerades as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. Their source of power is what? The devil. Satan. Do you know that one of the things the devil tries to do is actually to copy God? He's a copycat. He's, he cannot originate. He cannot create. He just, can, he just has to copy it. The devil wants to be like God so much that he tries to duplicate what God did throughout the history. 
And inspired by the Spirit nowadays, what spirits are we talking about? Miracles. That's why even the satanic people can do miracles. The prophets from the Satan can do miracles that is good to our eyes. Yes, Satan can do miracles. Remember the Moses in the Old Testament with the Egyptian magicians? Remember that? Satan even has one trinity. If you look at Revelations, Satan the father, Antichrist the son, and the false prophet, Aprah the spirit. Hold. Did you know? He has his own power. False prophets can use to confuse people. And his greatest tactic against God's people is deception. Be aware of that. Be careful. Okay? They have their own source of the power, who is the devil. Fourthly, fourth characteristics of the false prophet is this. They have their, their means of control. Look at verse 20. Paul is very sarcastic here as he's speaking about the false prophet. In fact, you even put up with anyone who enslaves you, exploits you, or take advantage of you and pushes himself forward or slaps you in the face. He's saying, are you serious? For real? You are going to follow these people who enslaves you financially, exploit you emotionally, takes advantage of you in every way, even slaps in your face. You are going to listen to these junks, these people? By the way, people were listening to them. That's the problem. And you are still taking it from false prophets. Why? Because they maybe they are giving the message that they want to hear so much. It's not a rational thing anymore. It's a spiritual thing to the point where you just kept listening, kept listening, and you like it, you like it, you like it, and you don't know what to say no. I want you to know today false cults have their own means of control of its people. As we already talked about it before, if they preach the wrong gospel, there are cults. And also many cults fall into these characteristics. They want to isolate you. They want to take advantage of you. By the way, these are the characteristics of the cult. Let me give you let me give you a rundown of it. First, they will isolate you. They will tell you that nobody else can talk to you or Talk only to us. We don't want to associate with any other churches because we are the only the right one, they will say. Be aware of anyone who says that if you ever encounter these people. What they want is the demonic control over you. And in order for them to successfully do it, they need to isolate you. Even some of the governments are using this tactic, obviously. We we will tell you what you believe and do. You will be cut off from from the outside world. And there is also exploitation. Send me your credit card. Send me your debts. God will pay all your debts. Your mortgage company will somehow wipe your mortgage if you give money to us. You might say, who in the world will listen to these people? Well, 2,000 years ago, the churches in Corinth were listening and this was a huge problem in the Christendom. 21st century, we see more of that. 
You might say, what? Are you serious? Yes. I'm being very serious. I'm not even talking about outside of U.S. I'm talking about inside of U.S. People are being deceived. These are the characteristics. I can go on and on and on, but for the, the time's sake, and we are worshiping on Sunday, so we will stop here. But if you have any questions, you can come to me. But let's look at Paul's response. How did Paul respond to this? He said, in a sarcastic way, in verse 21, he said, Yes, I'm weak. Yes, they are super apostles. And I'm not. I'm just going to, however, I'm just going to preach the gospel in Jesus. Simple as that. He's inviting people to follow him to suffer for Christ. I'm going to keep preaching what I receive from the Lord. He talks about in the next chapter how he suffered for Christ, by the way. How he went through all that for the sake of Christ. And he said, I'm going to preach that Jesus, the true Jesus. And I don't care what other people say. Very simple, isn't it? I'm not going to flinch. I'm not going to go fight and stop them or I'm not going to yell at them. I'm just going to start. I'm continue to preach what I know and what I do. And I'm going to continue to suffer for Christ. He was beaten, ridiculed, put in prison. He was saying, these are the marks of the true gospel, true apostle and who follows Jesus. It is not the gold chain. It is not the ability to speak. It is not the ability to command a crowd or get money from them. Following Jesus through the suffering. Following Jesus. Obeying what he has said. Now, he is challenging Corinthians who are facing these deceptions. He says, who are you going to choose to follow? Are you going to follow these short, this short, balding, not good-looking guy named Paul? By the way, he was not a good-looking guy. Who suffered tremendously? Or those beautiful-looking teachers and preachers, charismatic preachers with Rolex watch, who speaks so well and talks eloquently, wishes and prosperity without repentance. Whom do you want to follow? And he actually gives clear choice. I stand for Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ in the Bible. Who are you going to follow? Now, same question is given to us today. Who are you going to follow? I'm sorry, just because you are a Christian does not mean that everything's going to go well. Everything will be. We will be no suffering in your life, no problems in your life. No, I think it's going to be more problem, more suffering in the future because of our faith in Jesus Christ. But one thing for sure, the Lord will be with you. The Lord is with us. If the Lord is with us, and who can be against us? Amen? But now, who are you going to follow? What if God, Jesus does not give us financial prosperity? What if he doesn't give you what you want to receive? 
Are you still willing to follow Jesus? Because he was crucified, resurrected, and gave us the life to live and resurrection, and he will come back. What is the bottom line here? We must discern how we need to keep the pure gospel. Whenever you add something into the gospel, you subtract from it, you have a problem. Pure gospel. Read the Bible. Memorize the verses. Understand clearly. And also, marks of the true prophets or true believers is suffering. Is he asking me to suffer Christ? Are we filled with the Holy Spirit? That we are willing to live a life for Christ, no matter what? Even if there is suffering waiting for us. If you look at the Bible clearly, it's contrary to our cultural gospel, isn't it? Believe in Jesus, everything will be all right. Believe in Jesus, he will bless you tremendously in every way. But maybe perhaps we have to say, believe in Jesus in spite of the suffering that you might have to face. I don't know how many preachers today actually preaches that. Maybe people might not like it. People will not like this, but that's what the Bible is saying. And I'm not saying he's not going to bless us financially. I'm not saying he's not going to, he's going to leave us and just let us suffer. That's not the point. point is, if God's going to be with you, no matter what you are going through, even you are going through a good time, bad time, ugly time, doesn't matter, you will be blessed by God and you will continue to live a life of faithfulness. So our focus shall not be the provisions of God so much. Because if your faith is based on what God has provided you, all good things, good house, good country, good whatever, what if those things are taken away? Your faith is going to be taken away as well. Our focus, our faith, our basis of our faith is God's presence. God is with us because the gospel taught, teach, is teaching us. Jesus who died on the cross, rose again from the dead. He sent his Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit is with us until the end of the age, no matter what happens to us. Either you're poor, rich, either you are suffering, you are prospering, either you are in the good time, bad time, or ugly time. The Lord is with you because of what Christ has done for you. That is the gospel. And he is going to be with you forever. And he is going to take care of you. He is going to lead you to ultimate salvation. And that is a faith that we must hold. Amen? Let us seek the Lord, his presence, with the pure gospel intact. Let us be ready to serve him no matter what happens in, our, in and through our lives. That is what the message of discernment in the last days Let's pray.